My next guests are Dave Alford and Chris Hager from the 80s hard rock band Rough Cut. We talk about the band making a comeback with their new single Black Rose, the hard rock scene on the Sunset Strip in the 80s, why the band didn't make it as big as they could have, their creative process, and a whole lot more. This show is brought to you in association with Baba Prasad from DigiSound Studios. Dive right in. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the genesis of the band itself? How did Rough Cut come about? Uh, like originally. Come out from yeah, the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Briefly, really, yeah. to make so we don't make it a super long story, is that uh, all of us, the guys from Rat, the guys in Rough Cut, the guys in so many different mm-hmm. bands, Sarge and all stuff. We all used to play the Sunset Strip. And it was all back during the 80s, and we all knew each other, okay? When I moved okay. here, I had a, a friend, Ronnie James Dio, who gave me his phone number and told me when I found a singer that's worthy to give him a call, and that's really how everything got started. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And... And uh, what what was the influence Ronnie had on the sound of the band itself? Was Go it, ahead, uh, did he have a big influence of the way you sound? Well, in the beginning, yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did we did you know we did demos with him, and he produced our first demos. And so, if you listen to you know some of our first material that we demoed, it sounds a lot, you know. And, has a lot of 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 Ronnie. Even mm-hmm. Paul was yeah. singing more mm-hmm. like Ronnie, mm-hmm. and uh, but uh, he also uh, when we worked with him, he was a he was you know I, I like to tell people this is that not only everybody knows him as being a great singer, but he's a great producer as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, he knew how to get he knew how to get the best out of us, and. Uh, so when you look at songs like Taker and, uh, you know, Black Widow, those are, you know, those are all influences that we had from mm-hmm. him. Was he uh, was he also very involved in the songwriting process? Uh, no, not really. He contributed a few lines here and there. Yeah, he kind of talked uh, uh, Mostly that. Yeah, like, yeah, a, yeah. Well, don't you think it should be like yeah. this and... You know, it's kind of hard not to mm-hmm. listen to that man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was full of ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, you know, tell me something. Why Why do you think that Rough Cut didn't, uh, you know, make it uh, in a sense to where, to, where, to where it could have been, right? Uh, do you think that's the case? We think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. we thought that. We would uh, definitely had two or three hits, but it, we missed our window. We waited too long. We got we got signed to Warner Brothers by Ted Templeman, and mm-hmm. he was busy with Van Halen. And right after Van Halen, yeah. then it was time for David Lee Roth's solo record. But when he signed us, he was on the edge of finishing a Van Halen record and didn't know anything about the David Lee Roth thing yet. So he said... He mm-hmm. wanted to produce us. So what did we do? We sat around for about 10 months waiting for him and we missed our win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what happened. So yeah. I think but that was the time. There's so go much. Ahead, Chris. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, Chris. Go, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, it's, 
it's you know one of the uh, tenets of the industry is so much of it is yeah. timing mm-hmm. and just that 10 month to year period hurt us because uh by the time we got our our records out uh what was being played on MTV had changed over to Madonna and Cindy Lauper and and you know the, all no this more you know more poppy videos. stuff <laughs> Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, then they eventually went back to it. But we really we really missed a window. Uh, the other the other reason was because we waited, we lost our original A&R person. So we sort of we sort of got orphaned mm-hmm. and as and is what I like to call it. And uh, so that meant that we were nobody's baby. And um, so we were out there playing, you know, uh, every other night, you know, doing six months, six month long tours mm-hmm. with Ronnie, except yeah. uh, Crocus. And we would go to do record store in stores and there would only be a couple records or no records in the bin, which meant that the main office at Warner Brothers wasn't really doing its job mm-hmm. and there were a few markets that did like detroit mm-hmm. did with with yeah. alan first that's because people he, like that yeah he he made sure that there was product but it's uh it boils down to like what chris said um when you sign a major label deal you're kind of assigned uh unless the a and r guy is the dude see we got signed by the in in-house executive producer Ted Temple, mm-hmm. but they assigned a, a guy named Tom Wally who wound up being the president of Interscope. But so okay. we yeah. waited so long on the right producer that we wanted. It wound up being too late for us because Tom left Warner Brothers. We got some guy that, like Chris said, we weren't his baby. So we kind of got lost mm-hmm. in the shuffle. Not that it would have helped that much because we learned the hard way that really what happened was that we didn't go immediately in when we got the record deal and record our record. Because mm-hmm. if we would have, it would have mm-hmm. came out with the whole West Coast metal way, Motley Crue, Rat, Quiet Riot, all of those. It all would have come out at the same time. And I... Yeah, I yeah. think no. we would have had a hit or two, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you, you guys, um, were, do- you guys yeah. were touring a lot at the time, right? And interestingly, I think even with MTV, it's the bands that I think came out of LA and what they called glam metal back yeah. in the day. I think that had the right. MTV had the largest impact on them, yeah. right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we were right, right we were right in the thick of all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Uh, we were all living here, uh, and you know, the strip, the Hollywood strip was our home away from yeah. home. Yeah. So we were hanging out with all, all the guys and rat quiet, Riot. They were, all, they were all friends of ours and we were watching them do really well. And, uh, you know, we, we sort of had all the trappings, you know, we, we, I mean, we did a lot. We, we went to, we went across, we went overseas and played before we even had right. a deal, we did uh, Rock Palace, which was a uh, syndicated show, TV yeah. show. Uh, we did we did you a play, lot of you stuff. You played in Japan as well, right? You played Super Rock. Yeah, twice actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So we did a lot. We had all the trappings. <laughs> we, yeah. you know, it's not like we're not, it wasn't like it was a, it was a big bummer or anything. We had a great time, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, but tell me what, what was it like playing, uh, playing in Asia back then in the eighties? What was, what was the reception in Japan? Oh. like? Oh, Japan. Was Have amazing. you ever seen a heart <laughs> by the Beatles? Yeah, well, you have, remember yeah. when the plane lands and you look over? That's oh, yes, what happened to us. And we weren't even the headliner, but we were going over there to play the Super Rock Festival with Foreigner, Sting, Dio, Rough Cut. It was no, nuts. Yeah. And when the plane landed, I can remember, Chris, mm -hmm. we're like sitting close to each other. And he goes, dude, look out the window. And I look out the window, and it's all the girls that you could ever shake a stick at is waiting there for the plane to pull up to the gate. It was crazy. It was it was crazy. We had never seen anything like yeah. that, and yeah. it was the same at, at our hotels. Yeah. You know, there'd be a, a hundred a hundred chicks in our hotel lobby waiting for us to get up in the right. morning, and they'd follow us to uh, they'd follow us out to go. Eat and they would have little presents yeah. for us, and of course the shows were. You know, when we came back the second time, mm -hmm. the shows were. Uh, we were doing the yeah. halls, uh, uh, and they were they were uh, yeah. sold out. And so amazing. Japan was an amazing experience for us. Amazing. So, so you guys would yeah. go out and do all these big gigs, but people couldn't actually buy the records. Well, in that's store. just for not, like not, the the kickoff. You know, like when we first came out, mm -hmm. uh, remember, mm -hmm. we're a year late. And by the time we come out, we've mm -hmm. lost our A&R guy. So there was nobody back there at the label making sure that they shipped enough product and that when stuff ran out, that they shipped yeah. immediately. None of that happened for us. Every bit of that administrative mm -hmm. stuff, we lost out on because we, like Chris said, we became an orphan, you know, to the label. Mm -hmm. But, but you know, looking, uh, you know, moving to today, do you think a band needs a label at all? Given that, you know, you have uh, platforms of scale where you can reach people. Uh, uh, do you think a band needs a label at all? Not necessarily, yeah. and certainly not in the traditional sense yeah, uh, of of it. I think I think having a uh, I think having a, a distribution deal uh, is probably important, and uh, you know having somebody that's uh, doing uh, uh, promotion and so on for you, but not in in not in the traditional sense not necessarily uh, that's a pretty good way to put that chris yeah. it's uh it's like there are bands yeah. out there right now that had some success and some that had like mediocre success and some that had no success yeah. but because mm -hmm. of the pro, pro tools and the way the world is today they're uh cranking out records left and right you know um in Come my on. opinion the only difference between Prince was the same way, had his own studio, did everything in his house, the whole nine yards, and he wouldn't have even needed a label either. But because mm -hmm. of like what Chris said back in the day, if you had a major label, it was a really big deal 
because the independents and even smaller than that labels did not have distribution. Okay. They, and the ones that did, they had to like piggyback off of the subsidiary from another subsidiary that worked through mm-hmm. one of the big distributions. So they, yeah, with yeah. it being the way it is, like the you know, direct answer to your question, Chris is right. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, it, I'm sure it won't hurt mm-hmm. to have a label only if they offer like things in promotion and and maybe a budget for videos and stuff like that. But see, today yeah. that pretty much yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, let's face it, major labels aren't signing rock right. bands anymore. Yeah, they're anyway. not. <laughs> they're not. <laughs> that's, that's not. They're signing. They're signing yeah. hip hop, and they're signing, uh, uh, you know, just all the pop stuff that's out there. That's that. Are, those are the only people who get big deals anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even the bands that sold millions back in the eighties uh, cannot get big yeah, deals. They're, they're this, yeah, they're putting day. it out themselves. That's what Bon Jovi's doing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, everybody, you know, are they're going for real small, uh, you know, low dollar yeah. deals? Vikram, you know? it's Vikram. So yeah, yeah, things have yeah, changed. Yeah, it is, um, yeah. I wanted to ask you, uh, you're in India, right? Yeah. So yeah. how have you guys seen the video in yet? The morning over have there. you seen the new video? Yes. Okay. Have, I was yes. wondering yes. if it got over there. I know we get a lot of response from India through Facebook. India's a India's a you know a pretty large market. Do you think know. Rough Cut and, could play uh, yeah. there? Absolutely. You know, everybody, you know, I do a lot of photography as well, and I travel with a lot of musicians. I've done some work with Billy Gibbons, I've traveled a bit. Uh, and every yes. everybody wants to come to India and play. And you know, the people in India ask me, why aren't these guys coming to India? There you, and, go. you know, uh, I was talking to to Derek Sherinian, and he said, you know, find find us a good uh, good agent, and we'll come. You know, everybody wants yeah. to come here. It's a huge well, market. Well, you well, know. that's interesting because we don't hear about we don't hear about a lot of uh, the you know people that we know going right. to India. No, it's a, <laughs> it's, really a, don't. it's a huge uh, market, Iron uh, uh, huge Chris. In your May, May yeah, I don't big, doubt it. Uh, I don't you know, doubt I, that he is. I did. Uh, I shot for Steve Vai when he came here, and there was, I think, about sixty thousand oh, wow. people, sixty-five thousand oh. people that came to watch uh, Steve. You know, Dream Theater played oh, here multiple you times. Well, you need, you need um, to hook but, up uh, the top agent with <laughs> our manager. With Scully Coley Entertainment. And I promise you, brother, we will come over there. Yeah, we'd love to come over. No, I I, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, you know, I have no doubt that, you know, you guys will do well. And, um, you know, even our small venues, you know, can take a couple of thousand. So, you know, even our small venues can, you know, can hold a couple of thousand people easily. So, yeah, there's a big, big market, no doubt. Uh, you know, a large rock and metal scene here. 
Um, it's just that the COVID thing, you know, kind of yeah, derailed. It did that uh, everyone. Yeah, you know, that, 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 uh, knocked, that knocked everything off kilter. Let yeah. me ask you, uh, do the, do they like uh, do they like the heavier stuff like the real thrash metal stuff or do they like melodic right um, metal you know over in India or is it just what they kinds? like rough cut? all all kinds absolutely I have no doubt yeah yeah all, all sorry kinds. you said all to, kinds yeah yeah Chris to answer your question all kinds uh, okay. you know Behemoth played here a couple of years ago so they're uh, on the more extreme side of things right. Uh, they huge audience and then you know there are uh, you know melodic rock bands that have played Mm -hmm. here as well and then you have the prog rock you have and the dream theater that huge fan following i've heard that scorpion does well over there also yeah yeah Uh, (coughs) the scorpions have come here iron maidens come here multiple times bon jovi's played here steve Vai has played here Uh, nice yeah, so there's a lot of interest. I mean, people definitely want to come here and play. We have, I think we have about, uh, I think almost 20, 20 music festivals that happen across India through the year. These oh, wow, the, that's significant. The, yeah, these are the large festivals, right? And then yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can put you in touch. I mean, whenever this, whenever it reopens, I can, you know, I'd be more than happy to put you guys in touch with a lot of the festival yeah. organizers because I work with a lot of them. I build content for a lot of these festivals and, um, oh, that's yeah, great. yeah, I'd be more than if happy we to... could like exchange an email address or something with you and Absolutely. me and Chris yeah. or something. So we could uh, correspond or either we'll exchange yeah. information. Yeah. That would be great. Really? Yeah. That yeah. would be great Absolutely. because our manager, he's not only a great manager, mm-hmm. but he's an ex musician and he's a go getter. And if he was to hear mm-hmm. from you that yeah, rough is really Absolutely. great in India, then that right there gets ball rolling. We get started, and he yeah. wants you contact yeah. with him, and you put him in contact with the right people. Man, it's on because there's nothing we yeah, yeah, do. absolutely can do. Can do. So there's, you know, there's a lot of interesting things. There's a lot of uh, you know bands abroad that are trying to uh, collaborate with. You know, not only Indian musicians, but, uh, you know, Indian metal and rock musicians. So I know Chris Adler of Lamb of God has got a project with an Indian singer. They've got a band. Cool. I can't remember the name of the band now, but uh, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. Adler's done a lot of work with an Indian folk rock band. Uh, so there's a lot of that really? kind of, yeah, Billy Gibbons, Billy was, you know, Billy really wanted to collaborate with Indian musicians and do some stuff. You know, that was yeah, something. Yeah, I think we I, heard, I read something about that. Yeah. yeah, we were trying to put that together and, um, you know, yeah, so there's there, there's a lot of stuff that can be done. Yeah, yeah, we, we should talk another time. We'll I'll send you guys an email. That, that would be great. Great. You know, I'll, great. Just before we hang yeah. up, we need to exchange, you know, info. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Coming back to this, uh, Chris and Dave, uh, tell me something about today's lineup. I mean, what uh, what is Rough Cut today? I mean, who's in the band? Uh, well, obviously, uh, Dave and I are the yeah. uh, original members, two of the original mm-hmm. members. Mm-hmm. Our singer is a guy named Stephen St. James, and he's significant because I was in a, a band with him. Before. Uh, uh, I was in Mickey... Yeah, before Rough Cut and after I was in a band uh, 
uh, Mickey Rapp with Stephen Piercy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were both playing on the strip. And uh, uh, he was a real melodic, very, very, you know, energetic singer. So uh, when I when I parted ways with Stephen, mm -hmm. we he and I were gravitated towards each other and we started writing and we formed a band called Sarge. And yeah. um, uh, so we had we found that we had chemistry right away. Mm -hmm. So we kept in touch throughout the years. And he wound up going, by the way, he wound up getting picked up by Barry Gordy. Okay. And uh, so that was into that. And then I wind up, wound up, you know, getting picked up by uh, Rough Cut. And uh, so uh, so we we've kept in touch. But just recently, uh, I uh, I called him up and said, hey, Stephen, you know, why don't you come over here and let's record some songs. He said, I'd love to. So uh, we started doing that. And then Dave started coming over, went and checked him out. And Dave was on board with it. He's like, yeah, this is happening. And so that was solidified. Mm -hmm. And then we uh, then we went, we found Jeff uh, up, up Buner up in Portland, and he's got another band up there. Um, uh, what's his band Lord. up there, Dave? Loyal Lord. Loyal Lord, correct. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And uh, play with love, hate. Yeah, yeah. Our our uh, guitar player Darren Householder uh, plays yeah, with yeah. Jizzy from Love Hate from time yeah. to time. Yeah, I remember so, Love Hate. Yeah. They had a they had a video called Blackout in the Red yeah. Room, right? Love Hate from it, back in the day. That's right. And, yeah. And, yeah, I remember and, that from just uh, to, MTV. Yeah, just that was to good. Solidify, because I'm sure the reason why you asked that question is to tell you this. Uh, it wasn't a bad breakup or nothing. It's just the other guys, they weren't interested mm -hmm. in going on with Rough Cut at the time. Okay. And uh, Chris and I wanted to keep playing. So, I mean, I, we flat out, we done everything but beg them to stay. You know, and mm -hmm. it just, they didn't want to have nothing to do with it. So we went on and wrote more stuff. And we're in the middle of doing a record right now. And we've already dropped our single, Black Rose. And Hell, there's over half a million yeah, views that. on it on Facebook, and and we just passed ten thousand views on YouTube, and it's doing really well. YouTube, yeah, yeah we're happy, 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 we're happy with the progress so far. Yeah, fabulous. So, where did the inspiration for Black Rose come from? Go ahead. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, that was a riff that I came up with, mm -hmm. and uh, that the, the picking part in the beginning and it was just i was just sitting here one night and uh uh i was just noodling around 
And I, I came up with that. And uh, I think I was kind of feeling a little bit dark. And I, and I, you know, just uh, turned on my phone and recorded it. And then uh, I, I wind up writing a pre-course for it. And then mm-hmm. uh, a course, you know, came to me. And then uh, Dave and uh, a couple of the other guys worked on the lyrics and got, you know, so I, ba- I basically wrote the music. And then the lyrics were written, you know, by Dave uh, uh, and some of the yeah, Our guys. old bass player, Matt, came pretty much came up with the chorus to the song, um, uh, lyric-wise, some of the melody. But uh, we yeah. revamped it from the way that the five of us had done it back in the day. And uh, Chris, when we yeah. decided, yeah, we did. you know, keep going with Rough Cut, uh, be, being the original guy, you know, I started it. So, and, mm-hmm. and Chris and I are basically the meat and potatoes of the band. So we decided, I said, well, what about black rose? So we took black rose and we cut it up. We wrote new lyrics, new melodies, um, kept the chorus. We kept the chorus and, mm-hmm. um, and through the production, uh, that we did, Chris and I produced it and we had a guy, Rob Ziemba, we call him Porno Bob. He's like the best set of ears on this planet. I trust you. And he uh, engineered it for us and mixed it. And Mm -hmm. Chris came up with the idea one day. He goes, man, we should do a video just out of nowhere. And I'm like, really? So I got to thinking about it. And Our bass player, Jeff, was on board. And he had a great photographer, cameraman that just shot loyal uh-huh. order videos so we ran it by him he went to his guy his guy said absolutely rough cut for sure and uh and then we came up with the storyboard which involves priya panda you know and, yeah, yeah she's that, great yeah. you know and and mm-hmm. i think the song speaks for itself it's getting a lot of traction yeah yeah it's a great song i was reading the the youtube comments and everybody seems to love the That's song cool. as well so I'm guessing the response has been. Uh, so is there an album in the works? Do you have enough material oh, yeah, for Chris. an album? There is. <laughs> It'll be there big, is big. actually. We're working on it right now. We're uh, we're in here uh, uh, in the studio uh, uh, working on uh, new songs. We've got uh, several. We've got enough for an EP right now, and uh, I think we're going to go on and uh, and make a make a whole you know record. So, uh, uh, we have a mm-hmm. full length record. Yeah. Album. And, uh, we have, uh, well, we've turned down a couple of labels already, actually. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to ask, make yeah. sure it was, yeah, we wanted to make sure it was right. And we think we've, uh, we think we found the label that we're going to, uh, uh, that we're going to use. And, uh, so, so yeah, it's in the works, man. Nice. I can't wait for the album yeah. to come out. Uh, tell me, do you think, how do you think the sound of the band has evolved over the years from back I, in the day? I, I can mm-hmm. say this by bringing new blood mm-hmm. into the band and also by working with Rob Ziemba. He, Rob is a big, uh, I, I don't want to tag him, but he does a lot of work in hip hop and he does a lot of work in, uh, in like, a, what do you call it? Dance, you know, like Shakira. And uh, mm-hmm. stuff like that. He does all kinds of music. And 
and he's mm-hmm. a drummer and he plays bass and he noodles on guitar and he he's he's an all around musician okay and nice okay. once mm-hmm. he got a hold of our stuff and chris and i like like we like i said we chopped up the original way that black rose was uh actually made it into i think a, a thousand times better and um what we think we have yeah, it was rearranged what, a little what bit, we yeah. think we have now is still the original sound you know it sounds like rough cut you can go back and listen to the old record you still yeah. hear that but it's with a twist it's got a different kind of yeah. edge to it's fresh yeah. and that's what all of our stuff yeah. i don't want to give this away but we're not like within the next month or so but we're fixing to go out and start playing mm-hmm. and there's like mm-hmm. the next single we're thinking about dropping. I'm going to tell you that it's even has some little bit of hip hop in it too. And it's still oh, rough. Nice. I can't wait. It's totally rough. Yeah. yeah just, a little, just a little taste, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's totally, I mean, it's actually refreshing. Everybody that in our inner yeah. circle that has heard it has, just loves it. They can't wait for it to come out. Yeah. Yeah. But, but tell me, how has the last, how has COVID uh, impacted you artistically? Has it has it impacted you? And if it has, how? Well, we remember we're in Los you? Angeles, California, where where you might as well be locked up in prison. <laughs> yeah, which is good because we didn't get it. But uh, mm-hmm. it the way it negatively impacted us is that we couldn't go play and mm-hmm. neither could anybody else, really. Yeah. Um, now uh and and that's really is it's we couldn't go anywhere right. and mm-hmm. play in the country for a while and then you know the east coast opened up the south opened up and now now california has <laughs> opened up and we're mm-hmm. going to play so, so. <laughs> yeah but we use we use the time to our advantage though to to yeah. write to work on these songs yep. so you know things happen for a reason sometimes i guess yeah, yeah. And I think also from a mental state, it's different from constantly being in performance mode and then having all this space and downtime to actually sit and write and maybe, that's true. you know, get absolutely. better. Yeah, no, that's true. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To me, yeah. That, that's the way we Go ahead. looked at it. I, well, I was going to say... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I was going to say that's the way we looked at it, really. And know? I was going to say, I, yeah. to me, because, uh, you know, we're, especially being here in L.A., that we know so many musicians, most of the people that I know that couldn't do anything either, but had home studios, that's what they started. They buckled down, started, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to keep busy. For me, that was the first part of it was not being able to, to interact with other human beings. Now I don't know about you guys, but that just about drove me nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's been yeah. hard yeah yeah but uh tell me from the 80s to now how hard is it now to get your music discovered how has it changed over the years well <laughs> that's a double edge that's a double edged yeah. sword my friend yeah. <laughs> um the see you know it's te- it's all about technology yeah. really and of course you know now we have high speed internet and we've got, you know, basically 
if you've got a few thousand dollars, you can build a home studio and and so on. But um, I think the the that's that's the upside of it is that you can a band can get, you know, can release their own stuff and get it on Spotify or get it on iTunes. Mm-hmm. And and uh, if you know, if that's what they want, if they can't get a deal, they can release it and still maybe make a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. Now, that wasn't the case back in the right. 80s. But the thing is, in the 80s, we were, you know, we were offered, you know, I, I think our deal was $250,000. Right. So we had a lot of money to go to go. We had a lot of money to go in and and uh, make real, mm-hmm. you know, exceptional records with, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it was, um, you know, once, you know, all Motley and Rat, Quiet Riot, all these bands hit mm-hmm. and started doing well. Labels were just scooping Everybody. up anybody who had long yeah. hair and and sounded anything like them, mm-hmm. and that that lasted for a few years. And then all of a sudden, as we know, the late '80s and the '90s came along, and it was done yeah. it was, as quickly the as it birth, started. Ernest Cobain. <laughs> Kurt Cobain, you know, yeah, once yeah, Nirvana yeah, yeah. seen, a lot of things started changing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm guessing uh, all, think, all all of Sunset Strip must have changed, right, from the '80s, from when you guys were there to, uh, you know, Kurt Cobain and yeah, Chris Cornell yeah, and all it of that. Did. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah, it, it did. Much oh, really? You know, it's never it's never going to be the same. That that was a uh, point in history that that was a unique point in history that will never be duplicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. We're, we're real happy to have been able to live that and make it through that. <laughs> I'll drink. Yeah, I think making it through that. Yeah, I think I There's think making it said for that. Bro. Yeah, yeah, making it through that yeah. must have been a challenge, right? Because I watch all Some these movies, movies now. I watch these movies about you know the the strip and what it was like in the eighties and stuff like that. It must have been an incredible time, right? A lot of our friends died. Yeah, yeah. Sam. So just flat out, man. They're gone. Yeah. So yeah. that's the downside. Uh, Sam Kennison, I could tell, I could go on mm-hmm. and on and on. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah. Chris and I are still here, and we can't wait to come to India. <laughs> no, absolutely, we'd uh, love to have you guys. But tell me, uh, last couple of questions: what were uh, what were your influences when you were, uh, you know, kind of growing up? What what bands influenced you guys the most? Led Zeppelin. Uh, Dave, you want to go? Led Zeppelin. Absolutely. I mean, I grew up with the Mm -hmm. Beatles and all of that stuff, and they did influence me. But by the time Led Zeppelin hit the rock scene, that was it for me. I was already Mm -hmm. a drummer, Mm -hmm. but I'm just saying they heavily influenced me. Their drummer did. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true for a lot of people. Uh, For me, it was... uh, um, yeah, I, that, you know, when the Beatles were around, I was a very young kid, but I, I remember when I want to hold your hand came out 
and I was listening to it on the radio. And I remember my parents going, what, what is this? You know, it's like, <laughs> and, but I remember it very well, but I'll tell you the, the biggest influence uh, for me was Alice Cooper. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. His early, his early uh, records and they were produced by Bob Ezrin Yeah, and they are yeah. just amazing records. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with with amazing songs on them so yeah and i like mm-hmm. but tell me as a good uh, as a good uh, sorry, and sorry i like that because mm-hmm. it, you can like when you when i play you can hear my influences mm-hmm. and chris is right mm-hmm. when i first met him and stuff because i loved alice cooper especially the early days you know hold on 18 yeah. and all that stuff and chris yeah. totally had not only that influence in him, but he took it further because our era of guitar was even more, more warmer. It was fatter, more hot pickups mm-hmm. and stuff. They were more clean than, than we were, but you could yeah. hear that sure. influence. <clears throat> I think that's the thing yeah. that makes him such a great. Yeah. It, you know, it, it was the first concert I ever went to. If you can imagine yeah. Uh, going to see billion dollar yeah. babies oh. <laughs> with mannequins and guillotines and shit. And I just walked away memor- mesmerized from that. And uh, I remember listening to those records after school, getting mm-hmm. stoned with my friends. And I just, I just heard those creamy guitar sounds. And I thought, yeah. you know what? I've got to do that. I want to sound like that. Amazing. But uh, yeah. tell me, over the years, was uh, Eddie Van Halen also a big influence as a guitar player? Oh, yeah. I think Eddie has influenced every guitar player, uh, really, just about every rock guitar player there is. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he definitely influenced yeah, it's me. It's not a secret. Uh, there's a lot of great guitar players, like you mentioned earlier, Steve Vai. People, there, I know so many. Jake, Jakey Lee, I mean, a lot of great yeah. guitar players, but the reason why Hendrix became a guitar hero is not because he was such a great guitar player. It's because he came up with a different way to play the guitar. And yeah. yeah. The only That's other right. person that has done that. I mean, people copy him all the time, but I promise you in our lifetime, no one's going to unsee it. We'll all be. Yeah. No, and he's, these come it comes around once once yeah. a century. Yeah, yeah. A player no like doubt that. About it. Yeah. I mean that But I agree with I agree with you about Hendrix. You know, it's it's the same thing. If he would have been stayed around a little longer and hadn't, you know, hadn't passed away, we would have seen a lot. We would have seen oh, a lot more right. too. <clears throat> Did you guys ever meet Eddie? Oh, yeah. oh yeah, I sure, sure. Yeah. I partied with him. That, that's a maniac. <laughs> he was actually for a while there. <laughs> yeah, I've heard stories. Nah, he was, he was a nice guy. Lighting the he, Pete Angelus. I, me and him, I mean, we were mm-hmm. thick as thieves, man. And if you hung out with Pete, then you were hanging out with Dave. You know, and brought Daddy and <laughs> now and then too, because I'm telling you, Dave was a maniac. He was off the hook. Everything. And it couldn't be one of nothing. It was whatever he wanted, he got. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Yep. 
amazing um uh, lastly um, you guys you, you do a lot of stuff outside of music as well uh, chris you're involved with the ronnie james dio foundation and you do it work and stuff like that you also produce yeah yeah well both dave and i have been uh, involved uh, with the with the you know ronnie james dio foundation but yeah i uh, i actually uh, one of the things i did was i got away from music for a number of years and uh, had an it company and uh, uh and then around 2012 i got a call from steven piercy saying hey man i need you to come play in my solo band so i sold the it company and moved back up to la but uh yeah i just uh it was good I, you know i bought a house and i made i made some money doing that and uh um you know but i think uh i think i just uh i was uh, starved to get back into you know music and i couldn't get too far away from it That's it for this week's episode of Tales from the Road. Tales from the Road is brought to you by the Concert Photographer and Moving Pictures Media. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Thank you for listening.